Hey, everybody, it's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to yet another episode of Everyone's Ultimate Podcast in bed with Nick and Megan, starring the beloved international superstar, Mr. Nick Offerman. What's up? And his assistant, Megan Mullinelli. Hey. Today, featuring the absolutely glorious, beautiful, sweet, talented, nice, funny, and great. Demi Lovato. Hi, Demi. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Oh, it's true, though. You're so nice. You are. I don't know. I have my moments. Um, So we met when you did a bunch of episodes of Fallen Grace last, just this last year. Yeah, right before 2020. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You had a great intro, though, because... You, like the first day you come to me and you're like, so we have a lot to talk about because I hear that you're a Bachelor fan, but I am Bachelor Nation. (laughs) 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 I mean, you know, Nick is, Nick is on, he's like full Bachelor as well. I love that. Yes. You told me that right in the beginning. And so I was like, oh my gosh, we have to hang out outside of this. Yeah. I, I knew instantly that we clicked right away because just our personalities clicked, but then we also had similar interests like the bachelor. And, um, so it was just fun to talk about all of that with you. You had some, we had some of the same clothes cause you were wearing an R13 R- sweatshirt one day and that's my home. <laughs> yeah. You were wearing, I think you were wearing like Givenchy or something when I saw you. And it was. Well, you know, sure. <laughs> I like to mix it up with like really nice clothes and like the shittiest vintage or not even vintage, like thrift store, gross, ripped, stinky clothes. There too. Um, no, wait a minute. I do feel like because we talked about it a little bit when because you when you hosted Ellen recently, that was I mean that was right before we all went into lockdown. That was days before I went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I, you had me on as a guest. It was so fun. And um, just me and Justin Bieber, my usual. Not and- a big deal. <laughs> And um, we talked about The Bachelor a little bit, but we didn't, but Allie hadn't aired. So now I need to re-group on that. So what did you think? Okay, so to be honest, I didn't actually watch the finale. (gasps) I know. What? 
I know. I know. How is this possible? Because I think something was going on. Like I was working or something. I was shooting mm-hmm. something. And so I didn't get to see it when it aired. And then it was one of those things where it was like, once it aired, then I knew what happened. And then yeah. I was just like, well, now I don't see the point. Like, I mean, I know the point because I'm a Bachelor fan and I, I should do my due diligence of watching. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't actually see the whole episode, but I found out what happened before um, I had a chance. So wait, that was the one, though, that you liked a little better, The Virgin. <laughs> yes. No, I did. And then they immediately broke up, like, the day after the, after the final roast. Right. Right, right, right. I saw, um, yeah, I liked that. I liked her. I liked that she stuck up for what she believed in. She stuck to her values and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I, who knows? I you, you can't ever, like, the thing is with those shows is, like, I will never do it. And so I can't, like, ever imagine being in their position. So, like, yeah. I can sit here and be like, oh, my gosh, it's so crazy. They broke up, like, right away. But at the same time, it's like, we don't know what happened when the show aired. I know. Or what it's like just being on camera the whole time when you're supposed to be dating somebody or falling in love with somebody. Oh, man. The, the thought of... <laughs> there's so much of it. But the, the thought of the awkwardness and, like, intense sweat and butterflies when you're first making out with somebody for the first time <laughs> to have like three different camera dudes, you yes. know, with like their legs spread like up in your grill. And then producers, you know, yeah. behind the camera going, I love that. Well, I mean, I have to say it wasn't my favorite, my all time favorite season of the Bachelor franchise. It was tough. What did you feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the first season of any Bachelor show that I watched was Hannah Brown's Bachelorette season. So you're I'm very new to Bachelor uh, Nation. Oh, so you're new. Yes. So I was just like, well, it wasn't as exciting as, like, Hannah B. But, um, you know, Peter did good, and it was entertaining. He was he was fine. He's nice, I guess. But I want I wanted just like a glimmer of a joke. I wanted one millisecond of something remotely humorous from really any of anybody. I mean, there, I guess there are a couple of girls who are kind of like you know, sort of kind of amusing in a way, but not really. <laughs> the one girl that was kind of funny turned out to be sort of a bummer about halfway Which through. one was that? Um, who was that? I remember the dark-haired girl who, she she seemed pretty funny in our talking head things, and then she got really uh, chatty yeah, about yeah. one of the other girls. Yeah, I know. I don't know what her name is. I don't know what you mean, but I've lost her name. Yeah, she, she was out, like, around, you know, she was about the tenth person to go. But I don't know. I wanted a little... Um, Want more jokes? <laughs> I know that's a lot to ask for, but Hannah Brown, you know Hannah Brown, she's kind of funny, right? Yeah. I mean, she was witty and she had like a southern sense of humor, southern charm. Yeah, I actually became friends with Hannah Brown after it because I like, I loved who she was on the show, and it was she was so charming and cute, and I felt like I related to her because we both did pageants growing up and. Uh, we actually did the same pageant system. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so we knew some of the same people. But it was just, yeah, it was fun, and it was cool to, like, um, 
it was cool to to get to know her and kind of relate through the pageant stuff. And is um, she nice? Oh, she's so sweet, so so sweet. I have a personal request um, that I want you to. I have a question for Hannah Brown that I would want you to relay to her. Yes, I will ask her. Okay. So I need to know what this new thing is with girls in their 20s where they pronounce the G and I-N-G like they'll say singing, talking. And sometimes they say a G and sometimes they make it a K. Yeah. Singing, talking. It makes me want to commit a felony. And <laughs> Hannah Brown does it on every ING, and she's committed, like she's fully committed to it. And I really love her. Otherwise, but that makes me go crazy. And I need to know if she's aware of it. I don't. I'm not judging her. It just personally bothers. It bothers me personally. I'm not judging it. It's is it fine. a is it a southern thing? I don't. Perhaps? I don't I think so because Tuscaloosa. a lot of people are doing it now. It might be a sort of a Southern thing. My friend from Austin does it, and I mentioned it to her, and she she did not aware that she did it. So I just need to know if Hannah knows she's doing it and where it comes from, or does her mom do it? Does somebody she knows do it? <laughs> you don't have to ask her, but if you for friends, then just say, hey, listen. I'll say Megan Mullally has a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know because I need to know if it's spreading like wildfire and if I'm gonna have to stop, you know, if I'm gonna have to like just live in a tent for the rest of my life and never watch television again. Because if it's gonna start sweeping the Bachelor franchise, that could be the one thing that knocks me out. Could be a deal breaker. Could be. Hey, can I butt butt in real quick for the listener? Um, Now, you can't see us, but usually we would all be. sitting in our marriage bed together you know that's how our podcast works but at the moment we're we're, uh over doing this over zoom on the laptop but megan and i are sitting here relatively close to each other and i have this little meter that uh tracks my heart rate and some of my other vitals and when i get too horny for megan uh it'll ding It, it 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 the needle goes into the red. And oh, so if you, yeah, if you hear it, Dane, so then I just lean away a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Try to bring it back down. But I apologize. Uh, you might hear a few more before we're done. That's exactly what that is. That's yeah. what marriage is all about. And um, Trina took gross, Danny, she's on the 27th. She doesn't really think about you being horny uh, and saying or anyone. I'm horny for my wife. <laughs> so I have I have a question for you though because you're okay. So I don't know if anybody knows this, but Demi Lomano has a really good voice. Um, no, but I do need to like touch on the fact that when we met, when you first did Will and Grace, I didn't really get it. Like I didn't really completely understand that you were like a huge. Pop star? I don't know how that escaped my notice. I mean, I knew because I saw you on the X Factor. Because, you know, I didn't know your music at all. I do now. I didn't, though. And so I knew you from the X Factor, which is hilarious. And, like, you came on the show, and you're such a nice, normal girl. Oh, thank you. You're so nice. Yeah, you, you are, though. You're so nice, and you're so cool and normal, and just like any other girl and so 
then when I, because I was like, oh, my follower on Instagram. I went to your Instagram account and you had like 40 posts and 75 million followers. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I didn't get it. But um, then when I started listening to your music and heard, I mean, I, I know I'd heard you sing before, but then when I like for real started listening, and I heard that great, incredible, like huge, big voice with a high belting, really high. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, that's amazing. And then when I was thinking about talking to you today, I thought, because I, I don't, I am not an international pop star. <laughs> I'm not sure if you knew that, but I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> However, I have done, you know, like some Broadway musicals and I've done a lot of singing in life and I have a big, loud, belty voice and I can sing really high, I can belt high. And I thought, okay, wait, is there any relationship between the fact that I'm an only child and I spent my whole childhood like in my bedroom with the door closed singing along to rappers, but you're not necessarily an only child, you have a stepsister, right? No, so I have um, I have three sisters. I have um, two sisters that I grew up with, and then one another half sister um, named Amber, and she lives in Texas. Um, but my other two sisters, Dallas and Madison, they um, they were well. My my sister Dallas is from my. She's my biological full sister. And then my little sister was born named Madison, and she's from my stepdad, who's awesome. Okay, so, but did you, is there anything in my theory that I made up in my head where you spent time alone as a kid, like, singing along to, you know, songs on the radio and teaching yourself how to sing, or did it happen in another way? Um, well, my mom was a singer, and so she kind of, like, taught me the basics. Um, and then when I got older, um... I started taking voice lessons at like seven years old, seven or eight years old. And um, I just like continued to, there was tons of times where I would shut the door and sing to um, people on the radio. Um, Billy Gilman was like this country artist that I was obsessed with because he was younger and I was young and I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And, um, and then also like I loved Whitney Houston and Christina Aguilera and Kelly Clarkson. And so I sang along to them and, um, definitely spent hours on hours, uh, just trying to hit the high notes they were singing in their songs. Yeah. See, I do that too. And it, I think that's a really good way to learn to sing. If you just put one song on over and over and keep singing it until you can sing it like the record, I think that's a good way. That's kind of what I do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because then like you you learn in doing that how to hit the notes easier. And um it just it's yeah, it helps a lot. And you have to sing loud. Like that's the thing, you know, that's why I ask your only child, because you know, you have to be able to do it go. Fall, fall out, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I have three sisters. I don't know. But I think I just am a very passionate person. So when I sing, I, like, sing mm-hmm. to the fullest. And you were being, you know, encouraged by your mom and all of that. 
Are your sisters in the arts? Uh, my older sister, uh, definitely, she did some acting and singing and uh, Dallas. And then she is also an acting coach. And then my little sister did Desperate Housewives when she was uh, like six years old for four years. And now she goes to film school. So she um, wow. transitioned from on screen to behind the, the lens and has found like a really uh, big passion for that. Well, that's cool. I was just looking at your, because you, you have your chin in your hand, kind of, and I'm just looking at your tattoos. And um, so I don't have any. Did I tell you this? I don't think so. No, I didn't get one, but um, I was thinking that when I turn 70, I'm going to start getting it, and I'm just going to get a whole lot. That's incredible. That right? so dope. Well, they do all people, do you think? I think so. I think if you have an epidermis, you are welcome <laughs> at the tattoo parlor. So I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, in, a, in about 10 years, I'm going to hit you up for the good tattoo artist. Oh, I got you. you. I want everyone. I just could never decide what to, how do you decide what to get? I don't know. You you kind of just see stuff. There there you go, Nick. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, God. Okay. Hang on. Let me grab some ice cubes. So awkward. You know what it is? I don't know how, this is not my computer. I don't know how to turn the sounds off. So I'm so sorry. That's all right. We have a bit. I love it. Yeah. What, what were we saying? Uh, um, how do you choose what to get for your tattoos? Oh, yeah. For me, I just kind of like always, I had the idea and then I kept, um, I would either like draw it on myself and like kind of get used to it or I I would just kind of check in with myself and think, okay, how many times do I ask myself, when am I going to get this? And if I keep doing that over and over, then it's time to get it. And then some, sometimes it was just so impulsive and I walked into a, a spot and was like, I don't know what to get here. I'll get this. And that's how it was. <laughs> that's great. Well, maybe, maybe you'll go with me when I get my first. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I wanted to ask, actually, uh, so I was seeing on your hand as well, there's a lion yeah. uh, and there's a cross. Uh-huh. And so that gives me a very specific reference. But I, I wanted to ask you if there's a juxtaposition between the two and if that like, what does that lion represent? So actually, there wasn't it wasn't on purpose that I got them together. Uh, I actually got the cross first when I was 18 and that was one that I just drew on my hand while I was like watching TV. And I was like, wait, that's a dope placement. (laughs) (laughs) I literally texted a tattoo artist and I think I got it that night or the next day, but then the prescient. Yeah. Then the, the lion, um, I'm a Leo and, um, well, I grew up Christian too. And I identify as Christian as well. So um, that's where the the cross comes from. And then, yeah, being a Leo it is uh, kind of the main reason behind the line. But I also went to Africa when I was 20, turning 21, and then later on when I was about 23. And I just had incredibly profound experiences there that there's something about being in someone else's, something else's, territory and mm. uh natural habitat that leaves you so powerless and y- you're kind of yeah you- you're powerless like you're in a lion's territory and 
it's, it's beautiful. You're kind of, you kind of realize how small you are in the world and it's humbling and it's powerful. And I wanted to take a piece of that trip with me everywhere I go. So I put it on my top of my hand. That's incredible. We had the exact same thing because we went, I shot something in South Africa in 2016, I think. And we had like a little break. And so Nick, Nick was there and we, we went to, Botswana and we went on a safari and it was the greatest thing. It was the most awe-inspiring, mind-blowing thing that we ever did, we've ever done. Yeah, you really get that uh, that sensibility uh, of what you said that uh, I kept thinking, oh, these incredible, gorgeous beasts are here. They've been here the whole time. While I'm like in Illinois, like playing a video game or like yelling at my parents to buy me some Nikes. <laughs> These magnificent creatures have been holding down this territory. Like, and, and it's, and it, it does. It's so, uh, it's so humanizing. It makes you feel so much smaller and so much less important. It doesn't, turns out it doesn't matter what brand your shoes are. We live in a world where like, and we work in a world where if we are not careful, we can let our egos get the best of us because it is so um, focused on ourselves. You know, our brands are our identities. Most people go to to work and their jobs aren't their brands, you know, but for us, we have to really think of that. And um, so people put a lot of responsibility on us and a lot of pressure, but um, if we're not careful, that can go to our heads. And so I think when I went for the first time, it was... uh, put into perspective, like, these lions don't give a fuck about who you are. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if you are outside of that Jeep and you are not protected, they will eat you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they don't care your buffs are. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not impressed. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then today I just saw, like, a Bolton, just like an hour ago, this Bolton came up on my phone that now the World Health Organization is saying that they feel like um, – you know, COVID-19 that started uh, in animals, not in a lab. And I immediately thought, "Uh uh-oh, is, you know, everybody going to decide, like, we we can't have animals anymore. I mean, how how horrible that would be. And I know that seems extreme, but if, look at all the crazy shit that happens in this country every single day now as a result of, you know, yeah, we all know. And uh, I mean, I know that people aren't going to decide to like do a mass extinction of animals, but I mean, yeah, I think well. if these are like really Trump, like really stressful and tricky times right now, but um, I've actually kind of used it to as like a period of self reflection and kind of like this universal this universe mandated vacation that um, I wasn't supposed to have because I just released new music for the first time in years. You know, I was supposed Mm -hmm. to like hit the ground running. I was supposed to finish the album tour. And now all of that is up in the air because, you know, I, I wasn't finished with the album when we started quarantining. So now I have to wait till quarantine is over until I can finish. And, um, it's just things like that, you know, everything's up in the air and it's really, it's really com- like confusing and tricky, but 
it's been really nice to, I've never meditated so much in my life and I've never, me too. yeah, it's really nice. And, um, I'm taking time to paint and I never, one thing that I never do in Los Angeles is lay out by the pool, which sounds mm. ridiculous because when people think like, like I I've had really nice houses with really nice pools. I had a, and like the last house I lived in, I, I never laid out by the pool. I think I did one time and it was on like Cinco de Mayo or something, but it's just like, I never, and that's, that's a testament to how busy our lives are. And finally I have laid out by the pool and enjoyed the California sun that I have ignored that's been over my head for however many years, but I've ignored it for so long. And now I'm taking the time to enjoy the sun that I've been living under for years. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, this, it's interesting because you, you're perceived as being this rich, famous, young, you know, recording artist. And and so everybody probably thinks that that's all you're doing is just going out by the pool and going to clubs. And yet, of course, you don't have time to do that because you're working your ass off. And, you know, you've worked really hard to buy, you know, to have a house, like have a nice house with a pool. And you don't even have a chance to enjoy it. Totally. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, the, it's, it's wild. Um, the things that I have been able to... Um, get for myself, but not enjoy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a perfect example. We say that a lot, you know, um, in, in this uh, age of consumerism, we, we just fall into this trap of the hamster wheel of constantly earning and going and going. And so we will say things like, well, should we take, you know, this time off or should we, should, you know, we're, we're both going to London for something. We're like, should we get the expensive hotel room? <laughs> and, and, and frequently and consistently, we have to stop and say, well, why the hell are we working so hard if we can't then enjoy the spoils, yes. you know, of what we're earning? Yeah. So, so absolutely. Like, what's the point of having this beautiful house with a pool if you never go out and lay out in the sun? In my bikini, I don't know if you do it two-piece. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do it for the tan lines. I'm a one-piece girl. I'm not you trying to suck like. anything in and look, look, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I don't even, I mean, I would never be in a situation again where I would be in a bathing suit in front of anybody. So I don't have to think about that. I wouldn't either, but when I go to the club and my midriff shirt, like my, and my tummy <laughs> peeks out, I want it to have, uh, I don't want it to be. Uh, you know how I know that you don't wear midriff shirts? Because you call it a midriff shirt. <laughs> <laughs> a midriff shirt. Busted. <laughs> I think the kids are calling it crop tops these days. Yeah, we. Call, I mean, they call it. Cropped up in the 70s. Where did you get a I don't know. <laughs> I'm a I was out in the barn. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and 
people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know, before I lose the thread, um, the thing that your that your lion tattoo made me think of was the l- character in the Chronicles of Narnia books, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They lead up to this great messianic sort of Jesus allegory figure named Aslan, who's this incredible lion. Who I, I think if you ever had the opportunity to read those books, which are Super fun, beautiful. You can read them in our midriff top. You can throw throw on a midriff top, uh, head out head out to the pool and read those books. I think it would give you. If if I had a lion on my hand, I would love to associate with this powerful and beautiful character. Oh, that's awesome! Wait a minute. What was I going to ask you before we start talking about the lion? We're talking about sticking the sun on our abs out by the swimming pool. <laughs> Wait, honey, have you listened to Dummy's music yet? Not the new stuff. <laughs> you're, you're lying. You're I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm so ignorant to all popular culture. Like, uh, I, um, I wouldn't know uh, anything that you played on the radio right now. I'd be like, uh I mean, Emmy Lou Harris. I'm, I'm, I'm such an ignorant person when it comes to um, that. We got to do a little thing with Willie Nelson yesterday because he did this like 420 on 420. Uh-huh. Like weird weed ma- marathon that was televised on some like, you know, you know, the channel that. Oh, it was on the Willie Nelson show. <laughs> All that too. Anyway, that was kind of cool. But, um, no, I was going to say, so I have two things, but one of them before you get too far away from it was you said you identify as Christian, and that's interesting to me. Uh, tell me, like, how does that present itself? How does it manifest for you in daily life? Or does it, you know, is it just something that you know about yourself, but you don't necessarily think about too often? Or, I mean, what, what is that for you? Um, for me, it's kind of just been, um, I was raised in a religious household. So it was something that um, I kind of grew up with and didn't know any different. And then when I was older, I kind of strayed away from it because as I struggled as a teenager, I got resentful towards my perception of what God is. And then I started doing work on myself. I started researching more and, um, Over the past, like, I would say four months, really, um, my faith has really grown, and I've been going to church a lot more, um, and I do guided prayers um, at home, kind of like, it, it would seem like a meditation, but it's a prayer, and yeah, I mean, I feel a lot closer with God now than I did uh, as a teenager because I feel like as I've gotten older, I've been able to mold what I want my God to be um, Mm -hmm. rather than into what the South 
uh, told me God was supposed to be. And when I grew up in Texas, I was told that uh, God is judgmental of anybody that's not heterosexual. Um, I was told that if you lie, you go to hell, you know, things like that. And it's just, that's not the God that I believe in now. And I had, I had to really, uh, I had to learn that for myself, but yeah, I, that's, that's where it's at for me. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a beautiful notion. I think that, that, um, all religion could, could profit by that sensibility. Like why, why should another human get to determine what your, what represents God for you, you know? Um, Especially when religion and uh, is uh, specifically Christianity is an interpretation, you know, of mm-hmm. a bunch of people wrote this book. It's so, uh, which is the Bible. And um, so I think a lot, it's a lot is left up for interpretation and, that's what's beautiful about it is you get to interpret it the way that you, that resonates for you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I really never heard. I mean, it's, well, I mean, if I've heard somebody say that, it's been a really long time. <laughs> the way you like, thoughtfully um, examined that for yourself and decided what, what feels right for you. That's really cool. Um, so, Honey, I know because you are such an aficionado of uh, contemporary pop music. Uh, when she calls me honey, I get really horny. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, brief pause. Take a deep breath. All right. Um, it's so weird to me that you and all the other 20-something pop stars all know each other and have worked together and basically are friends or were friends or will be, you know, I mean, it's just so crazy to me. I told Nick that one night when we were talking about it at Will and Grace, and you and I, and, um, and they came home and I was like, wait, check this out. But I mean, it makes total sense. But like, tell Nick about that because uh, I think it's so kooky. It's just, it's really funny because when you think about it, um, we all grew up in on Disney Channel at around the same age. And and by we, you're talking about Justin Bieber. Well, not Justin. He, he didn't do Disney Channel. Um, this is like, you know, the uh, Miley Cyrus and Selena, Jonas Brothers, all them, and, and even the cast of High School Musical, all that. Um, everybody was kind of growing up together. And then Ariana was on Victorious on Disney channels. I mean, on Nickelodeon. So, you know, there was even that whole, uh, side to things. Um, I didn't know a lot of Nickelodeon kids, but yeah, we all just kind of like, we grew up together and, and it was this really small group of kids that we really couldn't relate to a lot of people. So we kind of stuck together. And then it was like this, we called it Disney high because, (laughs) You know, when there's only a select few of you that can relate to one another, you kind of, well, you start dating each other and then you become friends with one another and then you fall out with one another and then you break up with one another. And it's just like, <laughs> and then you, and then other people date each other. And 
it's just confusing and dramatic and and that's Disney High for you. So <laughs> I love that. But you know, you gotta hand it to Disney because when they all those other people who are older than you came out of like Mickey Mouse Club or whatever that was, like Christina Aguilera and all that, right? Didn't they? Yeah, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean they know how to pick them. But yeah. like, but then you're so just you and Justin Bieber knew each other just from like the international pop star club or something. Yeah, I mean, I I met him. I think I talked to him. Oh, I met him at a radio station when we were both young. I think I was like sixteen mm-hmm. or seventeen, and he was I think fourteen or fifteen, and um, that's when we met and. Um, then I just saw him around. Yeah, because it seemed like you guys had known each other for a long time. Yeah, I just think that's so crazy, right? That they all... It you, is. You were on Barney. Yeah. And you were one of the kids on... They were all... That's, they were all the kids on Barney. All those people she just mentioned. That's wild. No, no, no. Just me and Selena. Oh, just you and Selena. Okay. And did you guys ever get into rumbles with the Nickelodeon kids? Like... <sighs> no. It wasn't like the sharks and jets. No, I don't know why. Um, I didn't really know a lot of the Nickelodeon kids. Like, I I guess because we didn't really cross paths a lot, unless it was like the Kids' Choice Awards or something. But um, I didn't really see a lot of the Nickelodeon kids. How old were you when you moved out here? I was 15. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty That's pretty good. So you, you went to school. For the most, you went to most of school in Texas. I homeschooled at 12. I was homeschooled for a year when I did Barney and Friends. And then when I was done with that, I went back to public school. And then I homeschooled when I was 12. And then I stayed homeschooled and I graduated at 16. I mean, I know that you've had a lot of struggles. and I mean, I had a really screwy upbringing because my father and you did too and I know that that creates a lot of problems but you're such a nice person and I mean in spite of all of your struggles you're you're like a normal girl which is what I said at the beginning and I wonder why that is like why aren't you crazy like everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> um I overanalyze everything and that includes my behaviors among other people's behaviors. So I think my insight on why things are the way they are and how people work the way they work, um, the, the, I guess the information I've collected over the years, because I have seen a lot. I, um, I guess it just, I've learned a lot and it's kind of made a lot of sense to me. Um, the things I've been through in life have left me with more answers than they have questions. Mm, that's good. That's a great way of putting it. You, yeah. you have, I mean, you really have a wonderfully calm demeanor um, that has a, a real sense of grace about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like if it's okay with you guys, um, I'd segue into talking about uh, this cause that you're a part of. Uh, oh, yeah, I want to hear about that. Fund. Yeah, tell me about that. This is so great because, oh, my God, so many people need this right now. 
Yeah, well, it's definitely something that's really needed, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, For a minute, like, I wanted to back away from talking about anything mental health related just because I felt like for for years that's all I talked about. Um, And then when all of this happened, um, I realized that it was so important that, you know, we, that we talk about these things. There's so many people that are at home right now in dangerous situations um, because they're with, uh, in a domestic violence, uh, you know, situation and their partners are abusive. They can't get the help that they need and they're forced to be home every day with their abuser. Um, people that are dealing with depression or even eating disorders, there's so many things that people don't realize this this pandemic is really affecting um, just the way that people in recovery from an eating disorder, um, for instance, when this whole thing started, you know, I struggled with the idea of like, um, okay, well, how long am I going to be at home? I need to get all these groceries. So I got a bunch of groceries, but then I didn't want to eat them because then I felt like I had to ration them. And it was really messing with my, eating disorder recovery. And so there's little things. And so I wanted to be a part of this and. Because you were bulimic, right? Um, yeah, I, I had an eating disorder when I was younger. It started with anorexia and then it went to bulimia. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've had my, my fair share of struggles throughout the years, but um, this kind of was like a blanket overall um, way to be able to help you talking about mental health and, um, the crisis text lines, mental health fund. So only now when you just described, especially people that are sort of shut at home in any kind of an abusive relationship, only then did it sink in how brilliant it is that it's a text line. Mm -hmm. So you, so you can like silently Mm -hmm. be getting this help and, and affirmation without, you know, worrying about getting busted, you know, by whoever your oppressor might be. If there, there's that, but then there's also, you know, sometimes when you're in a quarantine situation with your entire family, you don't, you know, if you're a teenage girl and you're struggling with depression and you don't want your parents to, to worry or to know, um, you're able to talk to somebody through this line, you're able to text them. And that way you don't feel like everyone's all up in your business just because you're um, under the same roof. So I want to ask you, because you're, because Demi's 27, yeah, 27, she's just a girl. We're, we're and, at the end of this podcast, we're going to uh, offer to adopt you. <laughs> Prepare yourself. I guess that was our offering. <laughs> so we are offering, yeah, so think offering to adopt you. Um, but like, how are your friends, like your, you know, your friends in their 20s, like how's everybody dealing with this? Because it's a little bit different for, you know, younger people, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actually been enjoying it and I think my friends are too. It's good. My friends and I aren't the type of people that really like, I don't ever go to clubs. Um, that's not really my vibe. I know. I never see you when I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I just like, uh, the, the only thing that I'm really missing right now is like going to the movies or going to dinner. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And so it's it's little things like that that I miss, but I'm not I'm kind of a homebody anyways. I think the the generation that's really being affected by this are teenagers because um you know, they they deal with stress at a much heightened level mm-hmm. than adults do. We kind of are able to look at things from a different perspective. You know, our social lives aren't our whole lives. And um when we're older, we're able to value our work more, um, family. We, we value family more than we do when we're teenagers. And right now, um, friends, uh, teenagers are kind of just like, all they can think about is, oh my gosh, school is canceled. That's where I see my friends every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dealing with the pressures of how am I going to finish my schoolwork? And I think that's a, a thing that we all need to like, really think about and send love and light to energetically is to all the teenagers in the world right now, because I can't imagine like missing high school graduation. Yeah, definitely missing your high school graduation or I, I, I know that when I was, when I went to school, I looked forward to it every day because that's Mm -hmm. where my friends were. So yeah, me too. Cause I always had a crush on somebody I couldn't wait to get there, see if they were going to ignore me again that day or maybe finally throw me a bomb. <laughs> I always had hope. I was like, it's going to happen. I hope that's a euphemism. <laughs> um, Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. You know. Can I just say. Song, sorry, right? can I just say one more yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah uh, but I'm giving her a big, a big combo. Okay, you go. You're not. All right, I'm done. You. You next. I was going to say, you're an old soul. Wait, what were you just talking about? <laughs> no, we really listen to each other. I just, want, I just wanted to say, I really love this, uh, the mental health fund that you're involved with. It's specifically, um, in this time, like I see, for example, right now, um, we're recording this when these weird small protests are happening around the country uh, with people that are like lashing out at, at somehow having their liberties infringed upon by the stay-at-home order. So they're, you know, picketing on courthouse steps. Um, and, and it's obviously, it's idiotic. You know, it's, there, there was a picture of a guy in a George Washington mask. Um, well, and, and I've, it's a little scary and it's very dangerous. It is. I, 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 I'm, if I can, if I can, formulate the right tweet i'm going to reply to that and say if george washington was there he'd take you by the shoulder and say son you're killing people (laughs) go home um but the the reason i'm bringing this up is because there's you can you can just sense the palpable anxiety you know from people all over the globe and i'm somebody who i've always been blessed with a demeanor where i just don't get excited Every, like, I'm just a constant, I always liken myself to a donkey. Like, I love to do my work. I love to haul the stuff up the mountain. And then I get a carrot. And then I walk back down. Like, I'm happy with my situation. <laughs> and even I am feeling just the unrest, the ennui of, of the anxiety. And so, you know. This he is the least neurotic. He's the most well-adjusted person on the planet. And it's the first time in 20 years that I've ever seen him manifest any signs of anxiety. 
And so I just would say to our listeners, like that's that's an important message as well. Like uh, I'm some, it's it's okay. There's nothing emasculating or nothing to be shamed about. We you should be feeling stress and anxiety. Yes, it's a fearful time. It's okay to have fear. You just have to learn how to deal with your fear rather than creating a very complicated mindset where you're in denial about the reality of what's happening. Yeah, we're all we're all in this together and let's uh, and so be a little more realistic about it and text this helpline rather than um go out and protest with no masks on standing really close to people in a big group and then going and spreading the virus to any number of people some of whom may die yeah so in in our uh, in our socials you can find the information for the crisis text line shout uk Kids Help Phone, and Spun Out, i.e., to name a few examples. Demi Lovato, I can't believe how cute you are and nice. It's ridiculous. Thank you. All right, well, I loved talking to you guys, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for doing it, Demi. Woo! All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to yet another installment of your favorite podcast, In Bed with Megan Megan. This time featuring Demi Lovato. Oh, come on. Give it up. Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday, so subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style, and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.